Would you turn please to Mark this morning? Mark the 11th chapter. What have we been talking about for several weeks now? I guess it's more like months, huh? What? The title of this series has been and is Without a Doubt. Without a Doubt. We are believers. Right? We're faith people. We live by faith. We walk by faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith pleases God. And the Faith Life Church family ought to know something about faith. And so we've been on this. In Mark 11, if you'd read there in verse 22, Mark 11 and 22, what did Jesus say? Have faith in God. How many believe that's good advice? Have faith in God. Uh, One uh, marginal rendering says have faith. The faith of God. The God kind of faith. And going on to verse 23. What did it say? (laughs) Jesus said. For verily I say to you. That whosoever. Shall say unto this mountain. Be thou removed. Be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart. But shall believe that those things. Which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have Whatsoever he saith. Now, what had happened is he had spoken to the tree, you remember. Came to the fig tree, if perhaps he might find anything on it to eat, and there was nothing on it. The Bible encyclopedia talks about that in that that particular tree, in that climate, in that season, in that time, if it had leaves, it should have had some kind of fruit, even if it was a green bud, and it had a show of fruit, but no fruit. It was a hypocrite tree. <laughs> and the Lord did not care for that, and he cursed the thing. He said, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever, you lying fig tree. You said you had some fruit, and you had nothing. Which is another message. (laughs) And um, the Bible reveals that when he said that, nothing happened that you could see. That you could detect with your five physical senses. They heard him talk to the tree and that's all they knew. They left. They came back sometime later. And the disciples, as they were passing by it, said, Lord, look how quickly, how soon the fig tree withered. It was withered up, and the Bible says, from the roots. Well, something happened the moment he spoke to it. But you couldn't see it immediately. Well, that's the way faith is. He took that opportunity when they said, how quickly the fig tree has withered away. He took that opportunity to tell them, Have faith in God. What's the understood subject on that sentence? You have faith in God. And then in Matthew, he said it like this, Matthew 21, 21. Jesus answered and said to them, Verily I say to you, if you have faith and doubt not. Everybody say that out loud. If you have faith and doubt not. He said, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree. 
But also if you'll say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. Was he telling them that they could have done what he did to the fig tree? Now this is what millions of Christians have not acknowledged and have not believed. What they say is, Jesus could do that because he's Jesus. And so many sermons have been preached along that line. People say, you know, Jesus healed the sick. Why? Because he's the son of God. Jesus raised the dead. Why? Well, he's the son of God. He walked on the water. He cast out demons. He, you know, he cursed the fig tree. Why? He's the son of God. Well, those statements are true, but it leaves a wrong impression. It leaves the impression that he did it as God, with powers as God. But the Bible tells us that he did it as a man, anointed of the Spirit. And he said, if you believe on me, the works I do, you'll do too. Well, if he did them as God, how could we ever do them? But if he did them as a man, anointed with the Spirit, and he would anoint us with the same Spirit, then we see the glorious possibility of us doing the same type of things, living the same type of victorious life, having the same kind of miracles. And that's what he's called us to. But that hasn't been preached fully. It's been preached that Jesus did that as a sign to prove who he was. And for us not to even imagine we could do anything like that because we are mere worms of men. Mere mortals. And how dare we think we could. Listen to what Jesus said. Forget all the goofy preaching and teaching that unbelieving folks have said. And what did he say? He said, when they said, Lord, look how quick that fig tree withered away. What did he say? You have faith in God. Isn't that what he said? He said, if you'd have faith and wouldn't doubt, you could not only do this, which he's done to the fig tree, but you, 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 you could speak to that mountain. And if you'd say it and not doubt, you'd have what you said, what you said would come to pass. There's a whole lot of you in that Matthew 21, 21. You, 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 you. Is he saying they could do and we could do what he did here? How did he do it? It was by faith. But mechanically, how did he do it? He spoke to it. This is not prayer. He didn't pray and ask the Father to do something. He wasn't begging in prayer. He is speaking personally, specifically to the tree. And if you're not talking to some things in your life, you need to get with it. If you're in a sales job, you need to call those sales in. Nobody has to hear you. No other human has to hear you. But when you're getting ready in the morning or driving to work or something, you need to say, All right, people are going to buy these from somebody today. They might as well come buy them from me. So buyers, come in from the north, the south, the east. Come in, see me. Come buy from me. Money, come in. Sales, I'm calling you in. Come to me. Now, when people come in, don't pressure them. Faith puts no pressure on people. People are not your source. God's your source. And if they don't buy it, God can bring three other people in to buy it. 
No pressure, but faith. If something's going on, one of your babies is running a fever, you don't just, you know, run around scared and don't know what to do. Talk to that thing. Say, fever, you leave my child in the name of Jesus. Fever subside. Mommy, my stomach hurts. Speak to that stomach. Something's not healing right, speak to it. Say, heal up quickly in Jesus' name. Be right. Faith people should be speaking to things regularly. But now it's not just saying it. There's something else. What did he say? Look at it again. Mark eleven twenty three. Verily, when Jesus says that, what does that mean? It is this way and no other way. You can count on this. It's like the language of a, well, it is. It's not like it's the language of a law. He's revealing to us a spiritual law, a kingdom principle and law. How does it work? It works this way for anybody, whosoever. Read it out loud to me. 23. That whosoever shall what? So that's a part of it. You say. Didn't you say think? What did you say? Open your mouth. Say it. Well, I'm embarrassed to do it. Well, you better get over it. Your result, you'll get over it. I'm not used to that. They didn't do that in my other church. Well, you're here now, so do it. We do this. People know you come here. You might as well come on in. Right? And get the results. You're already taking some of the flax, so go ahead and get the benefits. Right? Might as well be a tongue talker, healing, believing, faith confessing. Might as well get rich. Yeah, come on. Just come on in completely. Don't hang around the fringes and play with it. Come on in. Yeah, just get the whole deal. So you say it, but that's not the end, right? You speak to, what else did he say? Whoever will say to the mountain, so this is not prayer, you're talking to the situation. You can talk to livers, you can talk to kidneys, you can talk to tumors and growths, talk to bills, whatever it is you're dealing with. Speak to it. And in this case, the mountain, something you want removed, command it. Now, there are a lot of people who don't like this kind of preaching. But we're reading right out of the Bible. And this is not what some wild-eyed preacher said one day. This is Jesus. Jesus said this is how he operated, and he's telling them, and we're his disciples also, how to operate. This is how you do it. People have tried all kind of other things, but it's not going to work till you do what he said. Speak to it. Say to the mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, and what else? I've heard people say, you know, uh, what do we say down south? Smarty aleck. Smart alecky or whatever. You know, say, well, what if I'm going to say I'm going to be a multi-billionaire? You think that's going to happen? Nope, not for you. (laughs) 
Well, why? It's what you said. You said, if you say it, it come to pass. No, I didn't say that. Yeah, I heard you. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. Number one, Jesus said. Jesus said, if you would say it, he didn't just say if you'd say it, it would happen. What did he say? If you would say it, and what? What does it say? And shall not doubt in his heart. That means you believe it. You're not trying it. I said you're not trying it. You're already convinced. Before you see it happen, you're already convinced it's true and it's happening. You don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that what you say will come to pass. What will happen? Sometimes it'll, huh? Mm. No. Jesus said, you will have what you said. Jesus said, you will have what you said. Have anybody been saying anything? Jesus said, you will have what you said. Have you been saying anything? Come on now, think about it. Have you been saying anything? You've been saying, then Jesus said, you will have what you said. Jesus said, you will have what you said. Have you been standing up with the saying, every debt, every debt reduced. And if Jesus said, you will have what you said. Makes you happy when you believe it. Glory to God. Glory to God. That was worth coming to church for right there. If we just stop. So Jesus told us we got to say it. This is not just praying and begging God to do it. This is us talking to the situation. But we saw he mentioned something else. And there's a lot of things he could have said. If there were 40 different things that we got to keep track of and focus on and not make a mistake in. He would have put them all in right there. But all he said is you got to say it. But then what? Don't doubt it. But believe it. So doubt is the thing that can mess this thing up. And is it possible to be saying a bunch of stuff, but it not come to pass? It is. And we've seen that. Just because you say it, that doesn't mean it's going to happen. You've got to believe it. You can't vacillate between two things. Yeah, all my debts are going to be paid off. I, I don't know. But some funny things have happened with my work and my job and the economy and, you know, gas is so high. Uh, no, no. Uh, I got stirred up on Sunday morning again when we all said it. Yeah, all my debts are being paid off. Oh, no, the debts are bigger than they were before last week. You can't do that. You got to say the same thing all the time. You can't go back and forth. James talks about that. If you lack wisdom, ask of God. He gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. But you got to ask in faith. Nothing wavering. That's the same word that here is translated doubt. Nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. A double-minded man's unstable in all his ways. Double, dewy. Doubting and double to, back and forth, wavering. That's what he's talking about. 
Out on the ocean, when the wind moves the waves, what happens? Huh? There are the waves. If it's big waves, you know, you got 10 foot, 12 foot, 15 foot swells. I mean, you come up on a crest of a wave, and then what happens? Woo, man, you go down, 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 and then you come up on a wave. Oh, you go up, up, up. Well, have people been like that in their so-called faith, trying to believe? Oh, man, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Whoa, whoa. Man, it don't look so good. Oh, it's dark. Oh, no, no. I went to church and I got stirred up. It's happening. No, you got to be the same and not change. Can you be by the grace of God? Can you be stable? Can you be consistent? Yes, you can. And we have already talked about this. Just because a thought of doubt crosses your mind, that doesn't mean you quit believing in your heart. You just cast that down and go on. Thoughts and feelings come to us all. But that doesn't prove what you believe. You cast them down and go on. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to the book of First um, Timothy. The first chapter. Actually... I was going to quote this to you, but I want you to turn there. Isaiah 7. We're going to go to 1 Timothy also. So Isaiah 7 and 1 Timothy 1. Isaiah 7, 9. I just want you to notice the last part of this verse. It says, if you will not believe, what? Surely you shall not be established. You won't be established. Well, if you're not established, what would you be? Established, unstable. That means you're moved around. That's a picture of the wavering we talked about, right? And someone said, well, of course, you know, if you won't believe. But uh, notice the language again. Put it back up if you would. If you will not believe. Did you see that language? Did it say, if you can't believe? No. Now, if you were with us earlier, we talked about this. When people say, I can't believe that, that's not true. You can believe anything. You decide to believe. Belief is not based on what you see or feel. Belief is not based on reasoning or logic. You can believe anything you decide to believe. A lot of people decide to believe lies. That's called deception. Something doesn't even have to be true for you to believe it. So when people say, I can't believe it, that's not true. What is true? They chose not to believe it. They were unpersuadable. Now... Look in 1 Timothy, hold your place there in Isaiah, but in 1 Timothy 1, 1 Timothy 1, we've talked about this, but I want to go further into it. 1 Timothy 1, 12 says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. You know, when the Lord gives us a job, allows us to do something, 
It was a vote of confidence to put us in the place. He knew we could do it and he believed and had faith that we would do it and be faithful to him before we ever did it. And he put us in there. It was a vote of confidence. Aren't you glad about that? He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Everybody say this out loud. I have a ministry. You need to know that. Now the word ministry could also be translated service. That's why we have service teams. You have a ministry. That you have abilities in you and anointings on you to serve. Somewhere. Some way. And you do not want to be missing out on that. He said who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. Paul did a lot of bad things before he got saved, didn't he? He hurt a lot of people. But I obtained mercy. Why? Because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Everybody say that out loud. Ignorantly in unbelief. There is an ignorant form of unbelief. You're not believing because of something you don't know. There's a whole lot of people, Christians, born again. They love God, but they don't believe it's God's will to heal them because they're ignorant of some things. There's a lot of Christians. They love God, thoroughly born again, but they don't believe it's God's will for them to prosper. Because they're ignorant of some things. They're in unbelief. But it's because of ignorance. But there's another category. Of unbelief. We've talked about it. Turn over to Hebrews. Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3.8. Hebrews 3.8 says. Harden not your hearts. As in the provocation. In the day of temptation in the wilderness. What did he say don't do? Don't harden your heart. Verse 12. Take heed brethren. Lest there be in any of you. An evil heart of unbelief. In departing from the living God. Evil heart of unbelief. Down in verse uh, 15, he said again, not to harden your hearts. And in verse 19, it says, so we see they could not enter in. Why? Because of unbelief. Now, if you look up this word in the Greek, it has the meaning of disobedience. And it has the idea of rebellion. And I would call this unpersuadableness. This is not unbelief because of ignorance. This is knowing it, but refusing to be persuaded. And the Bible calls this evil. And it is. And that's what Isaiah, let's put that up again. What was the scripture? Isaiah 7, was it 9? 7 and 9? What did it say? If you will not believe. Now, that's not if you're ignorant and don't know. It's what? You will not. 
then what will happen? Surely, when the Bible says surely, you can count on it. Surely you shall not be established. The further I go in the things of the Lord, I see a big, big problem, especially with people in this country, is not ignorance with church people. It's rebellion. It is refusal to believe. Will you look at the, the Bible calls them the church in the wilderness. The first group that was delivered out of Egyptian bondage. Why did they perish out there? We just got through reading in Hebrews. Did they perish because of ignorance? No, No, they did not. Why did they perish? Hardness of heart. Refusal to believe. Well, now this is doubt, but it's an evil thing. The Bible says an evil heart of unbelief. When God has shown you and he's shown you and you've seen it all around you and you still go, "Uh, I don't care. I'm not going along with that. Well, you will not be established. You're going to remain blown by every wind that comes along. You're going to be up. You're going to be down. And it's not because you're ignorant. It's because you will not believe. And we, you know, we studied that a while back about how that Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, he rebuked his disciples. Didn't he? Why? Because they wouldn't believe. They weren't ignorant. They heard him talk about how he was going to be raised from the dead. They heard all that. And then they've got people that haven't been lying to them that come and tell them, we saw him. We saw him. The tomb's empty. And they wouldn't believe it. And he was very unhappy with them about that. Right? Why? Because this is this bad kind. Not ignorant. Just unwilling. You've got to be willing to be persuaded. You've got to be open. Look in uh, the book of Acts, please. The book of Acts, chapter 17. Thank you, Lord. Didn't have it in my notes, and he led me right to it. 17. Aren't you glad for the Holy Ghost help? Man, I tell you what. You do not want to leave home without him. (laughs) Do you? And I mean literally. You don't want to get out of the bed without him. But we're not without him. In Acts 17, there have been, Paul has been going in his company from city to city, preaching the good news. And they have been having people get saved, and they have been having riots. Have you read about it? Do you know, not everybody's always happy when you preach the word. Jesus himself, when he preached, some believed and some did not. Some thought it was the greatest thing they ever heard and left everything they ever knew and followed him. And others tried to figure out a way to take him off the earth and kill him. And these two groups of people heard the same thing. And yet they didn't hear it. And here they've been having, I mean, they've been having people, and you know this is devilish. 
that finance their own way to follow Paul around and stir up trouble for him in the next city. When you pay for your own tickets and your own hotel room and your own eats so you can follow a preacher around and cause him problems, you're yielding to the devil. Why would you care that much? But this is happening. And let me say this. Ministers, pastors, and we have a lot of pastors with us by internet and TV as well. Listen to me. You don't have authority over human beings to control the way they act or don't act. You don't. I don't. You don't. None of us do. But you do have authority over evil spirits that would manifest through them to cause your church problems or your ministry problems. You can't deliver them. Against their will. But you can shut down the operation of these wrong spirits to cause your church or your ministry problems. You do have that authority. And let me tell you how it would work. You'd pray like this. You'd say, in the name of Jesus, you foul spirits trying to cause this church or this ministry problems through them. I bind you up. I command you to stop in any of your operations against this church or ministry. I forbid it in Jesus' name. And you believe it. Now, that's not going to solve all of their personal problems. But it can cut off what those things can do against the church. Or against the ministry. Do you understand that? Yes. Now, uh, in Acts 17, they went to another place called Berea. And they were pleasantly surprised. Instead of having riot and revivals, they found some people that had a different disposition. A different inclination. Look in Acts 17. And uh, 10, the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas by night to Berea, who coming there went into the synagogue of the Jews. And these were what? More noble uh, than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with what? All readiness of mind. Now just stop right there. Readiness to what? What were they ready To do. They were ready to believe. They were not ready to shut it off. They were ready to believe. Believers are to be ready to believe. That's who we are. Flyers fly. Swimmers swim. Runners run. And believers They should believe. We should be primed and ready to believe. Every time we come to church and every morning, every night, everywhere we go. Now that doesn't mean we just swallow anything and everything that somebody's going to say. But we're ready to believe. We're ready. We're ready to believe. And if something comes out and ain't the word, we go, uh, sorry, can't believe that. That's not the word. But I'm ready to believe something good. Tell me something's word. I'm ready. But not everybody's like that, are they? They received the word with all readiness of mind, and they searched 
the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed. And they had great results. Because the people had a, they were noble people. They were honorable people. They had a right disposition and a right heart. You know, a lot of people, they were critical and backbiters and fault finders before they got saved. And they got saved, but they're still that way. Are you listening now? Someone says, well, no, you get saved, all that changes. Well, no, you get saved, you're changed on the inside. But your mind has to be renewed. And you got to control your body, which includes your mouth. There are a lot of folks that are just negative. Their disposition is to find fault. That's their disposition. You mention anything. You bring out something good. You get you a brand new car and you're shouting about it and happy. It's got all this. And they'll go, everybody will be talking about all the good, nice things it's got about it. And they'll go, yeah, but there's a scratch right there. You can have a good church and 10,000 things right with it. And they won't mention any of them. They'll go, yeah, but you know, they could do better on this. And I didn't like that. That's their disposition. That is the disposition of a doubter. That also affects every part of their life, their personal life. If you're that way with other people, you're that way with God. And there are people that read the Bible and they'll read right past, my God supplies all your needs. And not even let it make an impression on them until they get to something that says, whoa, whoa. Whoa, under the and they go, uh-huh, yeah, whoa. <laughs> there are whole groups of Christians, all they preach is judgment. Yeah. And doom and gloom. That's all they preach. If you try to say something good, even if they don't use these words, it amounts to this. Something good about, you know, God wants to bless you, He wants to heal you, He wants to make you rich. Whether they say it or not, this is what they mean. I doubt it. Uh, you know, convince me. <laughs> Prove it to me. Well, if the word's not enough proof, then you're just not convincible. There are people that are just unpersuadable. Now, here's something. It's a big statement now, but I'm going to say it anyway. These people, God himself can't help them. I said, dear Lord, Brother Key. I said it. You heard me say it. God, if you will not allow yourself to be persuaded of the word, God himself can't help you in your situation. You're in serious trouble. Because God gave us a free will. He's not going to make us believe. I know that may sound strange to some folk, but just back it up to this. The most basic thing and the most important thing. Being born again. Missing hell. Going to heaven. If you won't believe the gospel, can God himself help you out of that situation? He has already done everything that needs to be done. But he's not going to make you believe and receive and accept. So if you refuse to be persuaded, who can help you? Nobody in heaven or earth can help you. If you will not be persuaded. Of course, you could help yourself. Now, what did Isaiah say? Let's remind ourselves of that again. Isaiah 
What was it? Seven and nine? Put it up again. If you won't believe, if you will not, you say, no, I don't believe that. I don't accept that. I don't believe in that speaking in tongues. I don't believe in that healing. I don't care. I don't agree with all that. I've had, I don't know how many times people have told me this. I don't believe in all that like you preach, all that prosperity and that, you know, health and wealth, gospel bunch. Well, what do you believe in then? If you don't believe in health and wealth, you must believe in poverty and sickness. Well, if you do, then don't be a hypocrite. Practice what you preach. I'm serious. You're tired of all these people being such hypocrites. If you don't believe in prosperity, then don't you dare have any. Live what you say you believe. If you don't believe in healing, then don't you dare ever pray to be healed. And don't go to the doctor and try to get healed either. Because you just got through saying you believed it was God's will. Well, don't be trying to get out of the will of God. Practice what you preach. (laughs) Well, some folk didn't like that. Well, (laughs) you're the one that believes that. So, got to work it out somehow. At least we're endeavoring to practice what we believe. We believe in being healed. That includes letting the doctor help you. It includes faith. It includes prayer. It includes laying on hands. We believe do everything you know. Get healed. Live and don't die. Stay. We believe in prospering. Yeah. We believe your business ought to prosper. Personal life ought to prosper. Every church and ministry ought to prosper and have lots of money. Plenty of money. We believe God's a big God. We have faith. In the bigness of God. And we have faith in the goodness of God. Can you say amen? Amen. Had a fellow was trying to tell me a a while back. Basically that he was more godly than me. Because he said yeah one time he had tried to have some stuff. But you know he got enlightened. And so he had gotten rid of. His house and his nice stuff and lived in a, a little cheap, broke down thing. And one fellow told me he didn't even have a car because he had learned better than that. And that they put their money into missions. Well, now that sounds religious, doesn't it? But I guarantee you, they don't put into missions what we do. Are you listening? I guarantee you they don't. And here's the thing. You know, people think, well, don't do that and put it into missions. Well, if you're not going to be a hypocrite, then that means you've got to liquidate everything you've got. If you believe that, you ought to liquidate everything you have and do it. If I believed that, I would do it. I believe God is big enough. Come on now. I believe he's big enough to bless us. And have the other. And do all the things that we need to do. And you need to understand that no one of us is the provider for the whole world. I could give every last bite of food I've got and every dime I've got. It wouldn't meet the world's needs. And then I'd be broke and couldn't do what I need to do. So where do you draw the line? Well, every man or woman is going to stand before the Lord for his or herself as to how good of a steward they've been and what their priorities are. And I'm not to judge you and you're not to judge me. 
But if we all did our part, I said, if we all did our part, if we all did what the Lord led us to do, every need would be met. And we ought not judge each other for what we, you know, because you don't know person's heart and you don't know all their business and all their finances. You got a full time job keeping up with your own. Right? If you're keeping up with it. Thank you, Lord. Are you there still in uh, Acts? Go with me to the book of Hebrews. Oh, this is good. If you will not believe, you will not be established. Well, let's turn that around. What if you take the knot out? If you'll believe, how many like the idea of being established? What does that mean? You're not moved. If you're established, things don't move you. Feelings don't move you. You're not up, down, wavering, vacillating. You're the same. Well, if you believe and don't doubt, what's going to happen? You'll have what you said. It'll come to, that's what we've been talking about for week after week here. How to eliminate the wavering, the duality. How to get rid of the doubt. How to live and be without a doubt. Boy, here it is. Here it is. Here's a big part of it right here. In the 11th chapter of Hebrews, 11, 11, it says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Did Sarah get results? Did her body change? Did she see the birth of the child they'd always wanted? She received. How did she do it? By faith. It wasn't just Abraham's faith. It said Sarah herself. This is her faith. But it tells us what her faith was based on. What was it? Read the last part of the verse. She judged him faithful. She what? She judged God faithful. Faithful. Somebody say faithful. Faithful. Faithful means trustworthy, which means worthy of trust. Faithful means reliable. Faithful means dependable. She said, God, you are dependable. You know, when he first told her she's going to bear a child, she laughed back, you know, in the tent. So she's wavering big time, isn't she? She's doubting. Oh, but there's life after doubt. You can blow it. You can waver. You can doubt. But you can get over it. It's proof. We talked about both Abraham and Sarah. Both of them did it. But both of them wound up in Hebrews 11. After wavering. After doubting. But what? How did they get past it? How did they get out of the doubt, the wavering, the vacillating, the wondering and questioning? How did they get out of it? With her, it says she judged God faithful. Don't run past that statement too quickly and go, yeah, I know it. I think God's faithful. No, 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 no. She judged him faithful concerning her specific situation and what he had told her. When he said that about this time next year there was going to be a child, 
She laughed at it at first, but she got to thinking about it after he left. And she said, now hold on, hold on, hold on. God has never lied to us. He's always been there for us. He's come through every time. So if he said it, he is well able to do it. And I say he is faithful. I say he is dependable. I say he is reliable. I say we can count on what he said. And when she got that inner spirit and she took that stand, the wavering stopped. The doubting ceased. Oh, come on, come on. Can you do that? Can I do that? Through the realization that God is faithful. I'm going to read some scriptures to you. Don't try to turn to these, but just you can jot the references down if you want to, or you can just listen. Deuteronomy 7, 9. I'm going to go through these quickly. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know that the Lord, your God, He is God. The faithful God. Somebody say, the faithful God. He keeps covenant and mercy with them that love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. Psalm 36, 5 says, Your faithfulness reaches into the clouds. Every time you see a bunch of clouds, you ought to go, faithful. God's faithful. His faithfulness reaches all through the heavens and the earth. The Bible says, O Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. The scripture says in Psalm 119, your word forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. And your faithfulness is unto all generations. Can you say amen? Amen. In Daniel 6.26, it says, God, he is the living God and he is steadfast forever. Can you count on him? You can count on it. We sing about this one. It's from Lamentations 3 and 22 and 3. It says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Somebody say it out loud. Great is thy faithfulness. When you get that settled concerning your specific situation, you quit doubting. You quit wavering. Why? Because God can't lie. And He can't fail. He is dependable. You can count on Him. Now that's why the enemy has worked so hard to infiltrate. Uh, what? That's not the word that escapes me. But it has to do with a dilution and a perversion. Of doctrine as so many Christians now are believing. Well you just never know what God's going to do. And people don't realize how poisonous that is. And how serious that is. Because what did you just get through saying? What if you said that about me? Somebody said well brother Keith is going to come and speak this morning. And somebody said well you just never know. What brother Keith is going, what'd you just get through saying about me? You got through saying I'm not faithful. You can't depend on me. Well, I don't mean that brother. Well, what do you mean then? If God said they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. 
And you say, well, I know he said that, but you just never can tell what God's going to. Well, why won't he do what he said he would do? If he said he'd meet all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Why can't you count on that? Yeah, but it might not be God's will. Then he doesn't mean what he says. Or either he's unfaithful. It can't be. All of these can't be true. I believe he means what he says. I believe if you'll count on him. If you'll depend on it. And don't doubt it. Because see, it is the doubting that causes it not to happen. Can you see how subtle and crafty the enemy's been in weaving this in so many things? Well, just pray though if it be thy will because it might not be. Well, you're not persuaded of his faithfulness. Look through it and you'll see people of faith. The three Hebrew children standing outside that fiery furnace, they said, Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. No ifs, no buts, no if it be God's will. What are they saying? We can count on him. David, teenager, freckle-faced boy, standing out there looking at that monster of a giant, Goliath. And he said, the God whom I serve, he delivered, you know, the lion into my hand and the bear into my hand. And you'll be just like him. The woman with the issue of blood, when I press through this crowd and touch his garment, I'll be healed. Faith is positive. Faith is definite. Why? It has found out what God has said. It has found out the will of God and it is persuaded that God is faithful. He's dependable. You can count on him. You can rely on him. That's why this church has always had plenty and will always have plenty. That's why you and your family are always going to have plenty. Right? We're not going to do without. We're not going under. Well, now you better not talk like that, preacher. Because you just never know. Well, maybe you don't know, but we know. We know. And it's why we've been so blessed. And it's why God is going to continue right on. We will not suffer like we will not want. Because <laughs> God is faithful. Say it again. God is faithful. Say it again. God is faithful. Faithful. That's why we're not consumed. That's why we don't fail. Great is thy faithfulness. Hallelujah. Listen to this. The Bible said, Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, don't be afraid. For the Lord your God, he it is that does go with you. He will not fail you, nor forsake you. Say it out loud, he will never forsake me. He will never fail me. God told Joshua, you remember in Joshua 1.5, he said, There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. Can you say amen? amen? Now you're there in Hebrews, aren't you? Go to the 13th chapter. Hebrews 13 and 5. 13 and 5, let your conversation, your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have for 
He has said. This is where our contentment comes from. He has said, I, God, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now listen to the Amplified on this one because it brings out some of the meaning of the literal Greek. This is not just a repetition. This is actually there. The Amplified says like this. He, God himself, has said. Who said it? He, God himself. I will not in any way fail you or give you up nor leave you without support. I will not. I will not. I will not. Said it three times. In the original, I will not in any degree leave you helpless or forsake you or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. How many times did he have to say light be? (laughs) But knowing the world we would live in. And knowing the things that could come to our head and our feelings, he says to us, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless or forsake you or leave you. I'm not going to do it. Oh, my, 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 my. Is he faithful? Can you count on him? Can you depend on him? Can you say, I know he'll be here. I know the money will come. I know my body's going to change and be all right. I know it. I count on it. Why? Well, if you're doing that, you're not wavering. You're not back and forth. You're not vacillating. And that's the kind of man or woman that's going to see the miracle, that's going to get the results. Because you really are believing God. Now back up to Hebrews 6. I think I'm closing. Hebrews 6. Oh, this is good. Hebrews 6, verse 13. When God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. You know, uh, where is this? Isaiah, I believe it is. 44, I think I wrote it down somewhere. Yeah, Isaiah 44 and 8. The Lord says this. He's got a sense of humor. The Lord said, is there a God beside me? He said, I know not of any. (laughs) I what? God, I thought you knew everything. Yeah, I do. You don't know of any other gods. I don't know of any. What does that mean? (laughs) There are none. God has a wonderful sense of humor. He will. He'll tell you things just to make you laugh. He will. Oh, wonderful. But when he went to swear, he couldn't find anybody to swear by bigger than him. (laughs) So he swore by himself. I swear by myself. That's what he did. That's what he did. Back in Hebrews, are you there? Because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, 
saying, surely blessing, I will bless you and multiplying, I will multiply you. Did you know that blessing is ours? That word is ours because we're Abraham's seed and descendants by faith in Jesus Christ. We talked about it for months around here about being redeemed from the curse, but how that the blessing is ours. That's ours. This belongs to us. The blessings on us. And so after he had patiently endured, didn't happen the next day or next week or next year. But after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. It happened. For men verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. Why did he do this? Because he wanted to show us something. He wanted to confirm it to us more abundantly. Confirm what? We'll keep reading. That by two immutable things. One was the oath. But here's the other one. What? It was impossible for God to lie before he gave the oath. By two immutable things. In which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have what? Oh, get this. Are you ready to shout? Are you ready to shout? We might have what? Strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Which hope? Now, you know the word hope means confident expectation. It's a faith word. Which hope we have as a what? As a what? Anchor to what? Man, that's the thing that gives you so much trouble. (laughs) Your feelings and your thoughts and your imaginations. You need something. I mean, oh, hallelujah. The picture of uh, wavering. What is it? He that wavers. He's like a wave. Driven with the sea, the wind rather, and tossed. Well, what's happening if you're in your boat and it's being tossed by the waves and the wind and you need some stability? You need to get this thing locked down somewhere or another. What do you need? What? Oh yeah, you need an anchor. We found you one. We found you a great big anchor. That when the winds are blowing, Oh, come on now, the winds are blowing and the waves and the bad report and you don't feel good and it don't look good. What do we do? Kabloop. And the chain run, chain, 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 and then clunk. And then what's happening now? A lot of stuff may happen, but you ain't going anywhere. You are anchored. Because you know what God has told you. You persuaded that he's able to keep what you've committed to him against that day. You know that he is faithful. He said it. He confirmed it. He can't lie. He can't fail. So no matter what happens around about you, that thing has got you anchored, man. It's got your soul anchored. Oh, hallelujah. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Now get this. And 
which enters into that within the veil. The Bible said we are to come boldly where? Before the throne of grace. Why? Obtain mercy and get help, right? Get grace to help in the time of need. Another translation says it like this. It said this confidence is like a strong, trustworthy anchor for our souls and it leads us through the curtain of heaven into God's inner sanctuary. Another one says it connects us with God himself behind the sacred curtains of heaven. It enters into his presence behind the That's where your healing is, is in his presence. That's where all your needs are met. Your answers, your direction. He's talking about getting answers. Getting your needs met. Getting into what is already in God and in his presence. What would keep you out? We saw that. They could not enter in because of unbelief. What would keep you out? Doubt will keep you out. Out of your healing, out of your prosperity, out of your blessings. Oh, but faith. And faith means not changing, not wavering, not fluctuating. Stand up on your feet. You ready to drop the anchor today? Man, if you just let the wind blow you all over the place, you're liable to wind up on the rocks. You're liable to wind up in a bad place. Run aground. Wrecked. You can't let stuff just move you and blow you all over the place. You can't let every doctor's report that comes along move you. You can't let every bill that shows up move you. You can't let everything that you hear on the news or somebody tells you move you. You got to drop the anchor. Drop the anchor. Are you ready? Get a hold of the anchor. Say it out loud. I have confidence in the expectation of the fulfillment of every word of God. Everything he has said will surely come to pass in my life. I am convinced. I am fully persuaded that God is faithful, faithful, faithful. Okay, drop it. Bloop. Here goes the chain. Oh, it's running out. It's running out. It's running out. Here we are. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.